0: Last Sunday, the same steel drum bands that played here at Calvary last year as the season finale for the Thursday Morning Music Club played at Grandin Court Baptist Church. And as one of the groups played Pockle Bell's Canon in D, a sound beyond the muted drums, uh, the muted notes of the drums began. A background sound like small waves splashing upon the shore of a bay but consistent and smooth, not choppy. The volume rose and fell, but was always in the background. And finally, we saw where the sound was coming from. One of the percussionists in the choir loft had a broad, round, flattened drum, and it sounded like it had BBs rolling around in it, gently, as he moved it around, back and forth, and circled them around inside the drum. The sound, that mysterious sound, made me think of Pentecost. It wasn't a loud sound, it was gentle, but it was surprising and it was mysterious. When we're trying to describe something unusual, we obviously can only use the words we know. Our vocabulary expands as we get older, and yet some experiences approach the term indescribable. I can tell you what the sound of that drum was like for me. Someone else would describe it differently. And the narrative about Pentecost must be like that too, because Luke, who also authored Acts, tells us that the disciples were all together in one place, And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And then divided tongues like fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each one, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. That word like pervades American English. A teenage girl talking about a guy, he is like so hot. A comment about the weather, it is like so hot today. Even in a question, can you like call me this week? When my husband worked with others in the control room at Channel 7, listening to one of their coworkers use the word like so often, they got out a call bell. Kind that you strike, and every time she said the word light, they go ding! She had no idea that she said it so often, but then she could hear it. On Pentecost, something happened so amazing that they could say only that it was like something else. There came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. Divided tongues like fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. This was nothing ordinary. The only thing that could have inspired such a gathering, such an experience, and such a change in people was God in action. The Holy Spirit is God in action. You can read the rest of the book of Acts to find out some of the results of what else the Holy Spirit did through those gathered that day in Jerusalem and others. You may be amazed as well. But instead of jumping forward right now, we're going to jump back to that introductory phrase of this passage. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Pentecost was a Jewish festival celebrating God's gift of the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. At festival time, they gathered to celebrate, which is one thing that we do when we worship. We celebrate God's presence and God's action among us. And we recommit ourselves to this holy and mysterious and amazing God because we have realized one very important tenet. We cannot do this alone. We all know people who struggle with addiction or mental health issues or gender identity questions or sexual abuse, or domestic abuse. We may not know we know them, but we do. And we may or may not comprehend the sense of loneliness that they feel. In our society, the appearance of uncertainty or doubt has been squelched as competition gets ever tighter and success gets defined ever more narrowly. But here we are, all together in one place. And if we haven't struggled with one of these, we've struggled with something else. And among us, the Holy Spirit appears. The tongues are divided but not divisive. Something like A tongue of solidarity and hope rests on each of us and creates out of many strangers one church. Remember E Pluribus Unum? You know where it comes from? Where do you see it? On money? The great seal of the United States? Take out your one dollar bill and the eagle is, in its beak is holding... Well, this is color, colored, not on the dollar bill, but a golden ribbon out one side or the other. On one side it says e pluribus, and then the other unum, whichever way it is. Y'all can tell me later. But out of many, one. Out of many, one. The same is true in church, is it Not. In this church, we come from Boones Mill, Daleville, Blue Ridge, Czech, North County, South County, Salem, Benton, and every quadrant of Roanoke City. Sometimes we come from Cuba, and soon we'll come from South Korea. Out of many places, one church. We come from farmers, bankers, merchants, doctors, two-parent homes, single-parent homes, rich parents, poor parents. Out of many situations, one church. Church. We grew up Presbyterian, United, United Methodist, Episcopalian, Lutheran, Southern Baptist, out of many traditions, one church. When couch potatoes want to get motivated to exercise, what is the first thing suggested for them? What? I'm not here. Turn off the TV. How do you know the TV's on? Get a partner. That's where I'm going with this. Get a partner and go exercise, right? Get a partner. And when an inventor wants to create a a prototype for her invention, what does she need to do first? Get an investor. When a church wants to be on fire pun intended, for Jesus, what does the church need to do? Get the Holy Spirit. Even with all the diversity and giftedness of people here, we are not a church without the unifying presence and guidance of the Holy Spirit. We need each other to help put that Holy Spirit into action, and the Holy Spirit needs us. The Holy Spirit needs us to put God's love into action. I asked my son Noah, how does he see the Holy Spirit? He said, it's like God having billions of fingers. Those include ours, don't they? 400, 500 fingers in here today. What can we do with those? The Spirit comes when the disciples are all together in one place, and God pours out the Spirit upon all. Last week, our family went hiking, and we walked over a dry creek bed. You could still see where the grass had been pushed down by the water that had come through at one time, but this day it was dry. And yet, on along the trail, there were these tiny waterfalls coming down from the side of the mountain. And it hadn't rained recently, obviously, so where was this water coming from? It was coming from underground, pouring out, offering water to so many others downstream, joining with so many others, other droplets along the way. That earth was so full of water that it spilled out somewhere like a never-dry spring. And isn't that how the spirit works? We can't define the spirit. We can only say what it is like. It is like a perpetual waterfall. It is like a pitcher that never runs dry. I think about how In the earth, we need the water cycle that includes evaporation and condensation and precipitation to replenish those aquifers and streams. But the Holy Spirit doesn't need that continual replenishment. It's just ever full, like a pitcher that never runs dry. Now, what do you drink from a pitcher? Don't tell me out loud. Let me make some suggestions. Water, lemonade, iced tea. And while the pitcher may be ever full, we are the glasses. Think about that metaphor. We are the glasses into which that Holy Spirit pours. A friend recently gave me a handmade mug. Pottery was on her bucket list, and she began a class earlier in the year. We met for lunch, and she said, "That's yours." And I thought, "Um, there's nothing in it." In my mind. And she said, though, that she had wanted to take a pottery class for years. And so she started one at the beginning of this year. And uh, there was a problem with the glaze. And so she's giving away the mugs that didn't work to her friends. And I was so touched. Because so often we want to hide our flaws. But here's Leslie putting them out for people to see and touch and use and enjoy. And that's what God calls the church to do as well. And so listen again to Peter in this passage from Acts. These Galileans were speaking in languages that Jews from all these foreign areas could understand. And that was, like, really strange. So strange that people accused, of, people, people accused them of being drunk Listen to Peter, the one who stuttered irrationally on the mountain of transfiguration. Peter, the one who thought he deserved to be at Jesus' right hand. Peter, the one who denied Jesus not once but three times. Listen to Peter recognizing that God is fulfilling an ancient promise in an amazing and delightful way. Standing with the eleven, raises his voice, he addresses them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. These are not drunk, as you suppose it's only 9 a.m. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. Here's what he said In the last days it will be that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Listen to Peter. Peter's changed. Where did his courage come from? It came from the Holy Spirit. How did Peter articulate exactly what the people needed to hear? Through the Holy Spirit. And later Paul, another convert, writes to the church at Rome that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And like that gentle gentle waterfall in the woods, the power of the Holy Spirit may be sort of like a gentle shower coming down on us at, all the time, at, at any time of day or night. And then sometimes, like at Pentecost, that shower is not gentle. It's like you see on TV after a big game when the team is one and two of the players get that 10-gallon Gatorade cooler and they throw it on top of the coach's head. Poured out, poured out. In love and appreciation, in joy and excitement. How open are we to the Holy Spirit? Officer, the guy yelled, my mother-in-law knocked me down with her car. Are you sure it was your mother-in-law? asked the officer. Absolutely, the man asked. I'd recognize that laugh anywhere. He recognized Can we recognize when God is at work? And can we join God even with our weaknesses and our flaws? Oh, the handle's not quite even, and the glaze isn't right, and there's some little spots right here. But by golly, I can have a glass of tea out of this cup any old time. Who cares about the flaws Except us. We were talking about that in Sunday school today. We're the ones who spend the time thinking about our flaws. Other people just take them and move on. What does God think? Does God, does God look at us and say, Ooh, there's some holes right there. The glaze isn't quite right. Oh, I'm not so sure about that handle. No, I can't use this. No, of course not. God uses all of us. Every aspect. We honor each other and we honor God when we confess these flaws to each other or ignore them and continue to work together to be the church. And maybe embracing these flaws in ourselves and others because God and Christ has embraced ours and us. Church, this is your baptism day. The Holy Spirit has been poured out on us. We have been reborn to celebrate the riches of God, Christ, the Spirit, ourselves, each other. And the celebration does not stop when the clock beeps 12. It does not stop. It continues. It does not stop when we wear a color other than red. It does not stop. It goes on and on. It pours like an ever-full pitcher. There are party favors downstairs, too. I I didn't really get this until this morning, and I printed out a little sign that says, um, you know, have a joyful Pentecost, and I realized that, oh, pen, pen, Pentecost. There are pens downstairs in a basket, and I want you to take not one but two, keep one, and give the other away. On it it says, it says who we are loving God, exploring faith, serving others. It tells us where we are on the web, where we are physically, and our phone number. And I encourage you that when you give this, just you know, carry it with you. And when you find somebody who needs a pen, then you get to say, here here's one. Oh no, keep it. And there is joy in giving things away. And there is joy in sharing the Holy Spirit. And so I want you, when you give this pen away, to pray for that person who receives it from you. In fact, if you can, and this is uncomfortable for some of us, touch their finger when you hand it to them. Because that touch means more than we can actually describe. But it means good things. It means acceptance. It means embrace. It means care. It means a recognition that we are one human family. The Spirit of Christ falls upon all of us. Let us thank God. Holy Lord, you are powerful. And we thank you for that power that changed so many lives and changed ours. Help us then, as we connect with you and your Christ and your Holy Spirit, to be a transforming presence in the lives of others. As we give these pens away and as we show our love and care for every person not just regardless of their flaws, but because of them. Strengthen us, we pray, in Christ's name. Amen.